0: All right, welcome to Journey Church. We're going to start a brand new series today called What If? And it kind of goes along with these shirts that some of us are wearing. And the question today is, what if the kingdom of God came in Kansas City as in heaven? Now, Kansas City, if you live, you know, I mean the Kansas City area. So if you live in Holt or Excelsior Springs or Gladstone, it includes you, okay? So just, it's the Kansas City area, okay? Liberty, we're here in Liberty. We're talking about the Kansas City area. Because some of you guys know when Jesus walks into a room, everything can change, right? So there's a story in the Bible where Jesus does walk in the room. It's a story about a guy whose daughter had died. In Mark chapter 5, verse 39, it says, and when he had entered, he entered the room, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. See, Jesus isn't playing around. He's just like, you guys get outside. And, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and he went in where the child was, taking her by the hand. He said to her, Talitha kuma, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up, began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Again everybody know, when Jesus walks into the room, everything can change, right? Everything changes. Sorrow When Jesus walks in the room, sorrow's odds of sticking around go down dramatically, right? When Jesus walks in the room, sickness starts to lose its advantage pretty quickly. When Jesus walks into the room, evil has to retreat. Fear has to run. Love begins to rise when Jesus walks into the room, right? Why is that? Because when Jesus was walking around on the planet, Jesus was literally heaven on earth. He was a prophetic picture of what is to come, which is that everything that heaven is, Jesus is. And so when Jesus was walking around, Jesus was heaven on earth. How many of you guys know there's no sorrow in heaven, right? There's no sickness in heaven. There are no tears in heaven. There's no, there's no fear in heaven. And so that's why everywhere Jesus walked, it was like an ecosystem around him of heaven. So that when people would get near Jesus and even touch him, they would touch part of heaven. So what would it look like if Jesus began to walk around Kansas City or Liberty or Gladstone or Excelsior Springs or wherever it is that you like hang out? What would it be like? Just imagine for just a moment what it would be like if Jesus walked around on the planet like he did at one time. I'm sure he'd probably flip, flip some tables over, right? He'd probably flip some tables over. But he'd probably go into Walmart and create some miracles. Don't you think that? I mean, he'd probably go into Lowe's and there'd probably be some people getting healed. Or some people getting set free, right? And so just imagine with me. What if the kingdom of God came in Kansas City as in heaven? Why? Jesus was a carrier of this thing we call, or God calls, the kingdom of God. Or in scripture, it's also called the kingdom of heaven. See, it all ties together because Jesus was a carrier of the kingdom of heaven. Anybody want a little more heaven on earth, right? That's, that's what we're talking about today. So if, when Jesus walks in the room and everything changes, how many of you guys believe that God can do anything, right? God can do the impossible. In fact, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. How I many you guys believe all things are possible with God, Right? Well, I'm going to surprise you and let you know that God can't do anything. God used to be able to do anything, but he can't do anything anymore. And and I don't mean he can't do nothing. I mean, there are some things he can't do. And why is that? Now, some of you guys are like, I'm never coming back to this church. This is just ridiculous. You know, I knew it. And so-and-so told me, you know, no. So, so here, here's what happened in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And that doesn't mean we're cessationists around here where we, you know, cessationist believes that when when God you know, was done with writing the Bible or done with the apostles, that all the miracles stopped. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that God used to be able to do anything because there are some things that God can't do now. And let me let me prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. So we just talk about how with God all things are possible. And and yes, in that sense, that is true. But there are some things that God can't do anymore. And one of the, or he's never been able to do this one, but is he cannot lie. And because he cannot lie, it has some implications. How you guys know God is all powerful, Right. We say that God has all power, but God chooses to limit himself, and he became limited. Every time God speaks a word, he narrows his options because God cannot lie. And so whatever God says, he is now bound to fulfill. And so the more God speaks, the more narrow God's options are. Not because God is a necessarily a limited God, but he's choosing To narrow his focus. In other words, we could say it this way. If God makes a promise, he's obligated to fulfill it. We could say he has no more options anymore but to fulfill it. Because it is impossible for God to lie. And so some of that has implications for you and I. So, you know, that God used to be able to do anything, but the more that he spoke, he began to narrow his options to limit himself to the things that he said and the things that he's promised. Now he cannot deviate from those things that he has said or promised. He cannot lie. And so some of the things that God has put in motion are things like this. God has decided to delegate some of his authority to you and to me as believers. He's delegating. So watch this, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. It says, and I tell you, you are Peter. He's talking to Peter and the disciples, but it, it goes on to us as disciples. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he says, I will give you the keys, here it is, to the kingdom of heaven, right? So everything that Jesus was carrying around, he was a carrier of the kingdom, now Jesus is saying, I am giving that authority to you guys. He said, I'm giving you some keys, and he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You guys know that keys represent power. If you don't understand this, try giving your car keys to a 15-year-old. You understand pretty quickly, right? it's it's got some power to it, right? We don't have the power, but he gave us the keys to unlock his power. See, he delegated some things to us. And by that action, in some ways, he limited some of what he will do because he's waiting for us to do it and for him to use us to do it. So God can do anything, but he's decided to do certain things in a certain way, and he's not going to deviate it because he's already said it. And so he delegates his power to us so that we could now bind and loose things. We could use our authority that he's given us so that we could see some of heaven come to earth now. That's pretty exciting. So what does that look like? Well, let me just kind of share how God downloaded this looks like for us as believers. What does it look like for us to be carriers of the Kingdom of Heaven. And what is the Kingdom of Heaven or the Kingdom of God anyway? Well, I have to take you to a certain place to kind of illustrate this, so let's watch. The Kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of God and the way that Heaven operates. It's kind of like the laws of Heaven. And so just like we have laws that govern how things work around here, like gravity and different things like that, it's like experiencing the way Heaven operates. And so it's a now and not yet Kingdom in the way that One day we will fully experience all of it, but now we get to taste part of it even right now. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter six tells us how to pray. And one of the things he tells us how to pray is your kingdom, that's God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So think about how crazy of a prayer that is, that we would see heaven on earth, the way that heaven is on earth here and now. Now. It's hard for our brains to wrap around that and to to kind of get a hold of that. And the closest thing that we have for our brains to understand that is... Krispy Kreme donuts. Come on, somebody say amen. Krispy Kreme donuts is about as close to heaven as we're going to get on earth in the natural. And our family always on vacation. We say it's not vacation unless we find a Krispy Kreme. And so we always find a Krispy Kreme. But we don't have Krispy Kremes uh, really close here. And so we have to go to the next best thing. What's the yeah, name on it? Mobile order. Oh, cool. What's the name on Christopher? it? Christopher. We have a Christopher. Oh, we got a Sean. That's P. me. Yeah. Okay. Did so we get to go, man? Awesome. Have a great one. Thank you. We're doing it. Sean? Yes. Right, there you go. Thank you. They said my pleasure. Okay, we got it. Let's go see what this is like. All right, so let's look at this. When you get this, you get, of course, Chick-fil-A sauce. Come on, somebody. And whenever I go, I get the Spicy Chicken Deluxe. Okay, so that's the route I go, and you get to get, oh man, is anybody hungry? Oh man, that looks so awesome right there. Can't wait to dig into that. The reason I say that the Kingdom of God is like a Chick-fil-A it's because when you go into a Chick-fil-A, you, if you go in there on 152 highway over there, that location, you walk in, you enter into the culture of Chick-fil-A, the life of Chick-fil-A. I mean, they have, the decor looks a certain way, the smells are a certain way, the food is always a certain way, even the language is a certain way, because what is it that they always say? You got it. And so you walk into the culture that is, it, that is Chick-fil-A. Now, I want you to imagine this. This is the way that God related it to me. What if God decided to put in, not a Chick-fil-A franchise, but a heaven franchise over off of 152 somewhere, so that whenever you walked into the building, you experienced everything that heaven was like. You experienced the language of heaven, the culture of heaven, the sounds, the smells, all of it of heaven. You experienced the power of God, all of what heaven is by walking into the door. Just imagine what that would be like if there were heaven franchises all over the city that people could walk in and get a taste of heaven. Well, in one sense, that's what the kingdom of God is. And he's planted that on the inside of us as believers so that we become carriers of the kingdom of God. And, you know, with the Chick-fil-A franchise, they have somebody come in from corporate headquarters that comes in and makes sure that all of the things of the local franchise resembles that of heaven. Well. In the same way, we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent somebody from headquarters, the Holy Spirit, to come and to live in our hearts, to to be in our life, to give us the power that we don't have so that we can look like heaven. So that even though we don't fully experience it now, we can be a foretaste or a picture, a prophetic picture in the here and now of what the kingdom of heaven is like right here and right now. Amen. Is anybody hungry? Somebody said, that ain't right, but... We had a lot of Journey Church at Chick-fil-A last night, I'll tell you that, after the service. Um, What does it look like then for us to be heaven franchises? Like, what if that was actually happening in the life of believers that whenever someone would come in contact with us, it's as if they could come in contact with everything that heaven is like? See, you are a carrier of the kingdom of God. You are the carrier. You are a prophetic picture of what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And you get to be like the church is a foretaste or a preview of what is to come of the future way. So that we would say in the world, it may be one way, but in the church, we see it this way that that in, uh, you know, there may be brokenness somewhere else, but there's healing that flows from the people of God. There may be hate in the world, but there's love that flows from the people of God, right? And so we we know that uh, we are prophetic pictures, but what does that look like? So let me give you two main categories and two subcategories for each one of these things. But the first one is, if you want to be a heaven franchise, we have to first have the heart of the Father. This includes two things. The Great Commission, and the Great Commandment. Number one, the Great Commission. You guys know this, many of you? Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the what? Gospel, which means what? Good news. Did you hear that? Good news. <laughs> we are to proclaim good news as believers, right? So, that's having the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is not going out and, pro- and spewing bad news and like, you guys are horrible. You guys need to... No, it's good news, the good news of the kingdom of God. You know that the kingdom of God is always good news, right? And so the, it's, it's proclaiming the good news. Do you realize that all of us are not foreign missionaries, obviously, but every one of us are called to be on mission, right? Every one of us are called to be on mission, you know, my brother Jake is in Thailand right now, he'll be coming here in a couple weeks and he'll preach in a couple weeks and he's a foreign missionary, but every single one of us are on mission. Missionaries, if, if, if being a missionary is defined as simply sharing the good news, then that means that missionaries are not defined by how far you travel. Missionaries then are defined by are you carrying good news? See, it's not like the farther I travel, the better better of a missionary I am like if I go really far then I'm really good at it no it's are you a carrier of the good news because sometimes you just have to walk across the street to be a missionary I, I remember years ago when I had a neighbor who would just I mean at any time he would just be standing out at his front porch smoking a cigarette just staring into my windows Anytime. I mean, I'd walk out and go to the grocery store. There he is. I, like in the, and at night, I would just open up the curtains. And there I'd just see a glowing red ember just across the street. And I knew he was there. And so I, I began to pray for him. And one day God nudged me just to walk across the street. And I had a, an amazing time just to, to plant some seeds. See, sometimes just sharing good news is walking across the street. That's having the heart of the Father for people, right? That's the Great Commission. But then also the Great Commandment it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, when, when people uh, in the world that we come in contact with, they ought to feel the love, the joy, the peace. Does anybody sound familiar from what we just went over? The love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things, the fruit of the Spirit. If you miss that, go back and listen to the last nine weeks of messages on the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. See, when you come in contact with somebody, they ought to experience what heaven is like. And heaven looks a little bit and a whole lot like the fruit of the Spirit. All right, so it's heaven the heart of the Father. The second section is this, that we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That means lifting up the last, the lost, and the least. There's a, there's a uh, place in Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus talks about um, how we're supposed to act in verse 37. It says, Then the righteous will answer him and say, say this, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you in sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Have you guys know that as believers, as the church, we ought to be those that feed and clothe and lift up the last, the lost, and the least, that we ought to be those who bring practical care and the love of God. I mean, in fact, just yesterday, we, through our Harvesters outreach, I don't know how many hundreds of families we fed just right here out of this local church and all sorts of that's just the tip of the iceberg for the outreach ministries that we do that are practical hands and feet of Jesus, Right? I remember when I was a teenager and we were missionaries into Mexico that we would actually smuggle food in to poor areas from the United States into Mexico to feed people. We'd go into the dumps in Mexico where we'd pull in and, and little kids were just living there in tarp, the little tents that they made. And as soon we'd have a service, and as soon as the dump truck would pull in, we'd lose half our crowd because they'd run and start to dig through to try to get the latest garbage that would come out. I'm not, I'm not kidding you at all. And so to be the hands and feet of Jesus means bringing the love of God in practical ways and, sharing, and showing up and sharing what God has given us. And so it, it means all of those things. Now, here, here's the thing. Have you guys have heard a lot about things like immigration lately in the news. Anybody heard a little bit about that? It's all over the place. Let me just challenge you as believers to be careful. And I'm not on Facebook really anymore to see what anybody's posting, so I don't know what's going on, but I would challenge us to be careful. You don't have to agree with certain politics on one side or the other. You don't have to agree with certain solutions on one side or the other to issues like that. What I would challenge us as believers is even if we don't agree, even if there's a challenge in what we see, can we get back to just simply loving people? Can we get back to loving people? Because you may have all sorts of a wide range of feelings about immigrants or illegal, whatever you want to call it. But what if we started having the heart of the Father first for those people what if we could start praying for them to get saved and come to Jesus? What if we could have the heart of God once again that, that in, instead of just trying to be on one side or the other of an issue, let's just first and foremost, whatever, wherever you're at, let's just love people once again and think about these are people that God created, right? And so that's not a political statement. That's a kingdom statement. That's a kingdom of God statement. All right, so the next thing is demonstrations of God's power. This is also being the hands and feet of Jesus. This is also being the hands and feet of Jesus. Watch this, Matthew chapter 10, but most people don't think of it this way. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 through 8. It says, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is ha- at hand. Jesus is gathering his disciples. He's getting ready to send them out. He's like, I want you to go out and I want you to say, here's what I want you to say. The kingdom of God is here. And here's how I want you to t- let them know that the kingdom of God is here. Here's what he says. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. I guess no, Jesus didn't have a seeker sensitive church. <laughs> Nothing wrong with trying to get people in the doors or whatever. But Jesus, I'm just saying it this way. Jesus' PR campaign, his public relations campaign to the lost or to the world, wasn't some hyped-up event, but it was actually healing the sick and casting out demons. That was his introduction to people, and it doesn't go out of style because Jesus says, "This is the kingdom." Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he announces his kingdom come, and he he says, here's my mission statement. I'm here to to lift up the poor. I'm here to set the captives free. I'm here to heal the blind. What is he saying? He's saying that his mission, that the kingdom of God comes through demonstrations of power. And we believe that Jesus didn't stop after the Bible was written, but he empowers us to give us the keys. We already talked about that. And, And so what I'm saying is that being the hands of feet of Jesus is as much healing and casting out as it is feeding and clothing. And that's what we believe around here. That wherever we go, so that you are a carrier of the kingdom, whenever you walk into a room, since you're a carrier of the kingdom, guess what? Sickness starts to lose its advantage. The fear has to retreat, right? Evil has to diminish. Sorrow has to go away. Every time you walk, love begins to rise, the fruit of the spirit, because you're a carrier of the kingdom. Now, you may not realize that yet and may not be unlocking that yet, but I want you to know that that is the truth. You are carriers of the kingdom. Now, so to be, have the heart of the Father, sharing the good news with people, uh, and then, you know, the, having the fruit of the Spirit towards people and being practical and sharing and blessing people and being a part of healing people and setting people free, that's really hard to do if you don't like people. It's really hard to do if you feel like that you're at an enemy of people. It's hard to do if you're in a constant war with the world, as we would say. And there's a lot of opportunities for us to do that. It's hard to do if you're doing See, I'm just saying we are not enemies of this world. It doesn't matter if the world is at enemy with God, but we were never given the assignment to be the enemy of the world. And so Jesus told a story to somebody one time that many of you know. And it's, uh, you know, somebody said, well, how do I know who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story. He says, well, there's this priest and there's this Levite that are going. There's this guy who was beaten. You guys know the story of the Good Samaritan. And he's tell, he uses some people in their life who they would have th- saw as heroes. And he says, oh, the priest, you know, it's going long. And there's a guy who's broken down. He's beaten up. But the, piece, the, the priest just goes on by him. And then the Levite comes and he goes on by him. But then a Samaritan comes. And he stops and he binds up the wounds and he helps them. Now, that may just sound like we know him as the good Samaritan. But in that day, it was, very, it was very controversial what Jesus was saying. Because in that day, the Jews who he was speaking to hated the Samaritans. And so Jesus used a Samaritan whom they hated to be the hero of the story. And he said, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. It doesn't look like having the right label. It looks like having the right love. And so he uses the hero, he uses somebody they hated as the hero of the story. So if he was talking to uh, Republicans today, uh, oh, I'm going there. If he was talking to Republicans today, he might say, yeah, uh, Trump was walking down the road one day and passed by. And then Rush Limbaugh came. But then Nancy Pelosi came (laughs) and binded up the wounds and brought healing. But if he was talking to Democrats, he might say something like, well, Biden came along and he just passed by. He didn't even care. Then Pelosi came along and didn't even care. But then Sean Hannity came and he was just, I mean, he was just a stellar guy. You see what Jesus was doing? He was finding their enemy to expose and reveal their heart. And can we take just a moment to ask ourselves some honest questions? Because we, are ne- we never were given the assignment to be an enemy of the world. We are given the assignment to bring healing to the world. So I, I may have lost some people last night with this message, but I'm not ever going to back down off the message of the kingdom. I don't care. You know, the hardest thing it is to say is when nobody likes what you say. It's easy to say when you're on one side, and at least you get half the people. Or you're on this side and you get half these people. But when you're like me and I'm standing up here like that and nobody likes it. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. We seated these people in the front row for a reason. So um. (laughs) We were never called to be enemies of the world. It doesn't mean we have to agree. We were never said we have to agree. You know, somebody's like, well, what about the whip? You know, Jesus brought out a whip and flipped over tables. You know who he did that to? The religious people. He never did that to the world. He went and sat and had some food with the world. Not to endorse it, not to agree. He never endorsed or agreed. He was simply giving, he was simply going where they are to give an in- invitation to where he was. He never compromised what was right. He never compromised who he was. But all along the way he was accused of being a lot of wrong things simply from being in the wrong places, from where the religious people didn't like him. So what I'm saying is this, and I'll put this up on the screen. The world is not our enemy. The world is our opportunity. Your coworker is not your enemy. Your coworker is your opportunity. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is your opportunity. Your family is not the enemy. Your family is your opportunity. We could just go down the list. The, your opportunity for what? Your opportunity to bring heaven to that relationship. To bring love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, all of that stuff to be a demonstration of power, to lift up the last, the lost, and the least, right? Right? to do whatever we can to be a bringer of the kingdom of heaven. And so this weekend, we're going to go into a Liberty Fall Fest. We got our shirts on, and we love it every year. It's like a holiday around my house because we've done it every single year since we started the church. And we're going to go, and there's booths. And we're not going to go out there and flip over a bunch of booths this weekend. <laughs> we're literally going to bring a cup of cold water to people. We're going to bring prayer if people need that. We're going to go, and we're going to bless our city. We're going to bless the place where God has planted us. We're going to pray for them. And so I want to show a video of last year's Fall Fest, but here's what I want you to do. It's a good opportunity for us just to reset some things in our heart. And I would just invite you, it's just a minute long or so, invite you to pray during this video. Pray for the people around you. Pray for the city in which you live. Pray for the country in which you live. And by the way, don't just pray Because a lot of us will say, well, I love my country. I love my city. But usually what that means is I love half of them. (laughs) I'm working for the good of my country. I'm working for the good of my city. I'm working for the good. But that usually means we're working for half of it. And so I just want to invite us to. What if God, what if Jesus were walking around on the planet? Where would he go? What would he do? What kind of love would he have? And let's start having the heart of the Father again. And so as this video plays of last year's Fall Fest, let's pray during this video. Let's have a heart of prayer for the place in which we live. Let's watch. planted. You know that we have been planted here for a reason. We are to be prophetic pictures to this this world. We're here to be prophetic pictures of what is to come. But this isn't our home, is it? I mean, this isn't our home. God has planted us here for a reason, but this isn't where we belong. The Bible says that we are basically aliens. We are ambassadors. We've been planted here. Why? Because This is not our home. We were made for heaven. We were made for the kingdom of heaven. And if you look back to Israel's history, you know, the Jewish people, they were in Jerusalem. It was the city of God. And then because of their adultery and because they strayed away, they were taken as exiles into Babylon. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all those guys were exiled from Jerusalem, taken out of there and extracted into Babylon. Babylon in the Bible represents the world. And they were exiled there, and they were, but what did they do when they got there? Did they go and just like try to, you know, tear everything up and say, oh, this is horrible, this is not the way it's supposed to be? What did they do when they got there? They were exiled. Here's what I want you to understand. We, it's for us living in the United States, this may surprise some of you, it's less like we're living, Jews in Jerusalem, and it's more like we're exiles living in Babylon. So how are we to live? See, so, so many of us are just trying to, trying to say, this. well, this is Jerusalem, so everybody who doesn't like that needs to get out. Instead of being like an exile in Babylon, how did they live? Well, Jeremiah has a prophecy for them. And he says this, and it's a very famous passage of Scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is the prophecy. He's, he's talking to the exiles. They're taken out of their homeland, and put into Babylon, into the world. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. How many guys have ever hung on to that scripture before, right? But that that prophecy is specifically it was it was originally de- designated for the exiles in Babylon, who were found themselves as believers in a worldly culture, and he says, "I got a future for you. I have a hope for you, and it's good stuff." It says, then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear you and you will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes. Can you imagine what they were hearing at this time? They're like, they'd lost everything and God is promising, I'm gonna restore your fortunes to you. I'm gonna gonna gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And so to hear that, they they could have been tempted to say well i you know we're going to get out of here we're going to get out of here so we do, we should not even care what's going to happen here and let's just get out of here as quick as we can and you know some believers kind of have that mindset like we're going to get out of here one day so let's just get out of here and let's not do anything in the meantime but Jeremiah had a prophecy, and a part of the prophecy, and you can read it in Jeremiah chapter 29, is the prophecy was this, you're going to be here as exiles for 70 years. It's kind of a long time. It's enough to start generations, right? And if you back it up just a little bit, he's like, yes, you are going to get back home. How many you guys know, one day we're going to get back home, right? But he says, in the meantime, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles. Now hear this being spoken over to you, whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. And do not decrease. Don't pull back. Don't just have a little holy huddle and just wait it out. To wait this bad world out no it says but seek the welfare of the city which i have sent you into exile and pray to the lord on its behalf not just for us as believers and seeking our welfare and seeking our be- on our behalf but seek the city the welfare seek the flourishing of the place where God has sent you. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. So what are we to do? How I many you guys know? We don't know when we're, we're going home. None of us do. But in the meantime, what do we do? We seek the flourishing of the place where God has placed us. We seek the welfare. We don't say, that's bad, this is good. We don't give, tr- give up truth in the meantime, but at the same time, we, like Jesus, become ecosystems of the kingdom of heaven to try to expand that there's healing wherever we go, that there's the love of God wherever we go, there's the heart of the Father wherever we go, that there's the peace of God wherever we go. So much so that so- who wouldn't want to have that? Who wouldn't want to experience the kingdom of God? Who wouldn't want to step into one of the heaven franchises and to experience everything that heaven is like? Who wouldn't want that? Because there's flourishing around there. So the big question is this, as the worship team comes back up, are you an enemy of the world or are you a prophetic picture of the world that is to come? Let's let's in our hearts, let's in our hearts really evaluate and surrender because some of us have been living for another kingdom that is not the kingdom of God. We've been living for a kingdom of this world to try to use as a means to bring the kingdom of God instead of living the kingdom of God and letting that be enough. How many of you guys know Jesus can take care of himself? And so I was in a, uh, listening to a pastor talking at, at a pastor's conference one time, and he said something like this. He was talking to a bunch of pastors who sometimes, as a pastor, they let you in a little secret. Sometimes it can be frustrating if you see another church that is flourishing or good things happening. It's like, oh, man, I want that to happen here. And, you know, and, oh, man, if we could just do this. And, and he said this. He said, don't let the church that you want to have keep you from loving the church that you already have. See, so many times what can happen is like, oh, man, I just you know, forget this. I'm just going to. And I just want to extend that to, to all of us. Don't let the friends that you want to have keep you from loving the friends that you already have. Don't let the marriage that you want to have keep you from loving the spouse you already have. Don't let the city in which you live Be despised just because you want to be somewhere. Because sometimes, like, we're tempted, like, I just wish I could be somewhere else. For me, it'd be, like, in the mountains somewhere. Some of you guys, it's on some sort of coastal beach or something, right? Don't let some place that you wish in some, you know, oh, man, if I could just keep you from loving right where God has placed you. I'll tell you what, I drive ever since God placed us down here. We're not originally from here, but we moved here, like, I don't know, it's going on 16 years ago now. And every time I'd come in from 291, coming from, uh, coming over that hill, coming into town, and I see, I pop over that hill, and I just see the expanse. I see Kansas City, and I see Liberty. Almost every time in my heart for the last 16 years, and I've said it out loud when I'm by myself a lot of times, I would say, man, I love this place. Man, I love this place. There's a lot not to love, but there's a, a love for the people and the place. Don't let the place you want to be keep you from loving where you already are. Don't let the life you want to have keep you from loving the life that you currently have. See, that's how it works. You work with the soil that you have in front of you. See, so many times what we do is we try to like, I'm just gonna go buy some more soil and just put it in here, you know. But no, in the kingdom of God, You just start where you are and you feed the soil that's right in front of you. And so I want to challenge us as we get ready to close. Would you guys stand up with me? So what I I like to say, what Jesus said, and he said, pray this prayer. He says, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm just going to invite you guys to say it wherever you're at, however uh, it applies to you. But I'm just going to walk through this and, and I'd encourage you even just even under your breath just to say this out, whatever it is for you. But I, that's why I say let the kingdom of God come in Kansas City. Say your city, whatever that is. For me, it's liberty. Let the kingdom of God come in liberty as it is in heaven. We make that declaration. We say let the kingdom of God come. I, I pray it over, I, I say it this way over our church. I say at, in Journey Church as it is in heaven. Let it be in Journey Church. And that's a great prayer to pray, by the way. Jesus told us to pray that prayer. Lord, let your kingdom happen in Journey Church as it is in heaven. And now we can make it more personal because I love to do this and I pray this over my family, but I say in the Phillips house as it is in heaven. Just pray that out, whatever your family is in the, you just pray it out right now. Just say, in my house as it is in heaven. Speak your name out over it. Say, in my marriage as it is in heaven. In my kids, it doesn't matter how, whether they're close to God or far from God. You speak that in there and you say, just as it is in heaven, let it be in their hearts. Let it be in their life. You prophetically speak that out right now. And you say, in, as it is in heaven, let it be in their hearts. As it is in heaven, let it be in their thoughts. As it is in heaven, let it be in their life. As it is in heaven, let it be in their friendships. As it is in heaven, let it be wherever they encounter this week. Lord, we just say, we love you. We need you. Come and consume us. And we make this declaration. Let the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's worship.